What are people anyway? I'm shouting. Uh -oh. Well, I have a, I have a cat. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it got weird. Yeah, great. That's cool. Is there a bathroom in this room? Bad Philosophy, episode 166, recorded live on March 6, 2016, Transparent Vomit. Hey there, hi there, ho there. Welcome to Bad Philosophy, episode 166, title yet to be determined. Uh, I'm your host, Kevin Saunders. I'm here with uh, Stephen Torrance. Hey, Stephen. Hey, I'm still in Toronto, and there's a lot of snow around. It's pretty cool. It snows in places? That's weird. It snows a lot in cool. places. Uh, yeah, so welcome to Bad Philosophy. That's what I said already. Uh, we are also joined today, and I'm super excited to have him here. A uh, longtime friend of the show. I don't know if you've ever been on before, but if you have, I forgot. Uh, Simon Ponder is joining us here. Say hello, Simon. There's no snow around me right now. Uh, I'm in San Antonio. There's no snow. I don't, I don't think snow exists in San Antonio. I think it's the law. Yeah, so we, we get about a quarter of an inch of ice every 10 years, and that counts as a snow day because it shuts the city down. Yeah. <laughs> I think, so So uh, I, I briefly lived in, uh, well, I say briefly, for like two years, lived in Ohio, uh, where they get snow so often that like it shuts the city down for maybe a day, and then you have to just live in snow for a while, mm -hmm. and that's that's miserable. Do they salt the roads in Ohio and all that? Uh, in the major cities, yards? they do. Uh, in the little mm -hmm. town I was in, they plow them, but they don't salt them, if I recall correctly. Mm. The uh, the university would salt the uh, the sidewalks, though, so that was better, I guess. So. So, 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 a needle-pulling thread. So we're here today to talk about uh, something that uh, I, I know very little about, but luckily I brought in someone who knows more about it. Uh, and that's this everlasting argument about film versus digital uh, in photography, in videography, and in movies. Uh, and that's why I brought Simon here. Uh, Simon, who uh, is on a couple of different podcasts, PD Exposures and Plastic Imagery, uh, both podcasts that are that are about the uh, the luxury of film, I might say. But maybe you can explain a little bit better, Simon, what your two shows are about. Okay. Is is that is that the end of the intro? Yeah, <laughs> uh, sure. Yeah, say okay. something. I don't know. I'm, um, I'm only halfway through my first cup of coffee, so yeah, I haven't even had coffee yet. Back. So, <laughs> um, there's just there's just an awkward pause. Beat exposures is more about uh, you know news going on in the film photography world. What what are the latest developments? What what product lines have been killed off? What um, new cameras are coming out, that kind of thing. Uh, plastic imagery is more about the the toy camera world, which is the Holgas, the Dianas, the Lomos. Uh, certainly something more to what I enjoy shooting. Mm -hmm. um, and so that is, PD Exposures is kind of an umbrella which covers all you know types of film photography, and then the other shows are more specialty shows. Okay, cool. Uh, all, all a part of the PD Exposures Network at yes. pdexposures.com. Get the plug yes. in early, Simon. Yeah. <laughs> As if people listen to this. I don't know what your numbers are, but our numbers aren't great. So We're going to break 1,000 someday. Someday. 1,000 regular viewers. Someday. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, no, so this, this whole episode got started off uh, with a discussion and sort of uh, a demonstration put together by a gentleman named Steve Yeld Yedlin, ASC, Yedlin. Um, and we'll have links to this, obviously, in the show notes. Uh, but he did something really interesting that I find interesting as, as sort of a, a photography, videography um, n opposite of nerd. I don't know what that is. Idiot. Um, so he... Uh, is is a director of photography and puts a lot of work into uh, sort of figuring out how both film and digital work. And he created a demonstration of these filmed scenes sort of side by side or one after the other that he shot with a digital camera and then with a film camera and uh, then digitally manipulated the digital imagery. Does that make sense? Uh, to make it look as close to film as possible. 
Uh, and to my untrained eye, they were effectively identical. Uh, and so I, I would love to hear from someone like Simon, like what your initial response was to something like that. There have been these videos that have existed many, many times over the years. Sure. And I feel like if you were to replace out the terms film and digital with pencil versus pen, uh -huh. it would be the same fucking arguments. That's interesting. The exact same. This is how interesting I find it to be is like it, it doesn't matter the quality of the pencil or pen. It's uh -huh. the the skill and, and talent of the person using it who is able to create art, right? Of course. Right. I can if you, if you're very skilled at illustration and I hand you the shittiest pencil ever made, you <laughs> will be able to learn the pencil and then be able to produce some quality work from it, right? Mm -hmm. And if I if you if I give you the best pencil ever made, you will learn the pencil, and then you will be able to produce some quality illustrations. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, it seems like we got an episode in the can. So let's call it. Yeah, great. <laughs> cool. That being said, there so are cats. technical. There in the past, there have been technical differences. Uh huh. Uh, one of the things I shared with y'all is um, in in digital, it's called dynamic range and film it is called latitude mm -hmm. and so i think they they compared vision three film kodak vision three okay which is something i have almost no experience with as a as a film photographer it's uh it's a completely different film stock than what what i'm used to experiencing and traditionally it was slide film had um at least five stops of latitude um and then, you know, your, your color reversal films and black and white films have about 14 stops of latitude. And then digital fell somewhere between the middle. Okay. Right. So, so your color, your color slide film, that's, that's your, your older, that's, yeah, the, y'all, y'all know what slide film is, right? I don't have to. Yeah, uh, I do. Yeah, yeah, but try uh, and find the words. I, do, you want, do you want me to try and explain it? Uh, and you can see yeah, how, how well I'm, I'm I do or do up. not know it. Um, so, so traditionally when we're shooting on, uh, like film that you you went and you went to Walmart and bought some Kodak film. You were shooting on negative film, uh, and so the light hit that in such a way as to create a film negative, uh, which we would then use with a certain type of photosensitive paper, which would reverse that when you were actually printing the image. Uh, slide film was the backwards of that. So when you shot it, the light exposure uh, reacted with the chemicals so as to create an a duplicate of what it was saying. So there was no negative necessary. So you could drop it into a slide projector, throw it up on a wall and say, hey, here's a picture of me in the Dead Sea sinking. Yes, absolutely. Or, or not sinking. Uh, what happens in the I've, Dead sea, I've never actually. been to the Dead Sea, uh, <laughs> but I am not buoyant at all. And so I've always you, wanted to go. <laughs> yeah, uh, you would still float. Uh, it's, I hope it's so. just kind of a property of, of salt water. So <laughs> I've, I've been in oceans and I really and, and I'm very not buoyant in oceans. Like I can make myself float it's, if I try. It's it's really, really salty water. <laughs> yeah. We'll put it to the test one day. Yeah, there you go. So uh, that was actually a very good explanation. I was just struggling to find the words in my head. Um, so, so given that, that range, right, where digital kind of falls somewhere between the middle latitude wise, mm -hmm. that was traditional. Now I was, I was looking at this last night and it said vision T had about 13 point something, uh, according to Kodak. Uh, and then other tests showed it had 14.5, uh, latitude. And just, just so I'm clear, more latitude is generally considered a better thing, right? Yes. Yeah, so latitude has to deal with. Uh, the different stops of light and shadow that you'll get in the scene. Gotcha. Right. So when you're in the, the studio, dynamic range, right? Yeah, but the dynamic range is, is but it's dynamic range and digital. digital. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. But the, the the two are about equal. There's this whole. Uh, I, I tried to read through it. I, I got bored and frustrated. <laughs> there's, a, there's an article that I submitted last last night about, uh, you know, why dynamic range is, should not be equated to uh, latitude, but it, it was a lot of it was a lot of uh, physics terms yeah. and a lot of mm. formulas. And I went, 
Mm, no. No, no. <laughs> That's reasonable. Um, just because I couldn't understand it. It was a lot of big words that, it, I, you know, it'd be like every third word I was looking up a word in the dictionary. Mm-hmm. Mm. Physics is like that. It makes yeah. your brain hurt. Yeah. It's so, a whole different language. Mm. Um, but anyway, yeah, you want more latitude, more dynamic range, obviously, because that's kind of how the human eye sees, right? Mm-hmm. Human eye, the human eye can see the, the mostly fine detail and shadow. At the same time, it can see most of the details in the bright light, right? So you want to find a film stock or you want to find a digital camera that can equate those and balance them out. That way, when you're watching something, it looks more realistic to your eye, mm-hmm. right? That's how, that's how The Hobbit worked, right? Yes, yeah, so, uh, even though The Hobbit kind of gave me a headache. <laughs> yeah, apparently you're not alone. I For never a different reason, it. though. Yeah. I mean, the, the Hobbit looked, at least in terms of color and, and lighting accuracy, really, well, I don't know if accuracy is the right term, but it, it looked good. Yes. It felt weird because of the frame rate, though. <laughs> right. Which we covered extensively on an episode at the time, I think. Yeah, I still haven't seen it. Uh, it's okay to miss. Okay. Yeah. I, I've, I've gotten that. It's not a good film either. I think that would be an example of like <laughs> what you said, Simon, is, is, you know, you can have the best technology in the world. You can have the best pen ever and still make a really shitty drawing with it. <laughs> and I think well, that's and, kind of what Peter Jackson did with, with The Hobbit. And, you know, I, I think it's interesting that you have, have me on to talk about this because I shoot Holga cameras, which have a plastic lens. Yeah. <laughs> so well, I, I and that's something I think is, in, is fascinating as well. Uh, and something I kind of wanted to dive into is, uh, so I know, I know, General, you shoot film. Uh, yes. I don't know if you shoot digital, although you just mentioned you take a lot of dumb photos on your iPhone, and I think that counts. Yeah. Well, you know, and I, um, I have I have a side gig with a with a studio, and we travel the the country and do photo ops at comic book conventions. Oh, cool. So I shoot digital there. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but I know, I know you enjoy shooting film, uh, yes. and that's something that you you take a lot of pride in and things, and that's really exciting to me. Um, and I think it's also like super fascinating that you love to do things with with Holgas. And I, I didn't know what a Holga was before I met you, and I still only kind of know. But it's it's a toy camera, and something that I sometimes feel like happens with people who are, uh, let's say, film zealots. Uh, I'm looking at you, Christopher Nolan. I'm looking at you, uh, guy who directed movie. I can't think of names. <laughs> He direct, he's directing Star Wars Episode Eight. Okay. Ryan Johnson. Johnson. Yeah. Ryan. It's pronounced Ryan. 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 I learned that when Ryan he was on a Johnson. podcast I listened to once, and I was like, finally. Uh, uh, yeah, Ryan Johnson, um, who sometimes sort of believe that there is this this magic to film or this this uniqueness to film uh, that I think is a I mean, little bit more in question to me. It's a little magical. It's it's plant matter and uh, um, silver absorbing light. That's pretty magical. It is. That is pretty magical. I'll give you that. Uh, but then, I, but then you have sort of this this niche industry of things like Holgas uh, and other other toy cameras, where the you know my understanding of the Holga from what little I know is that every single one shoots differently because of the sort of flaws in its construction. And the sort of uniqueness of the fact that it was not made to stand up to time or is just sort of this like, you know, toy that also happens to take photos. (laughs) So the Holga was made about two decades too late for what it was intended to be. Okay, It it was intended to be a prize one at like, you know, um, like the fair. Okay. So it was like a you know a two dollar camera that you could win at the fair. Yeah. The problem is they started work on this in the eighties, and you know compact cameras have finally gotten cheap enough that you know mom mm-hmm. and dad were buying them. Whatever. Let's just completely ignore that. If this had been made in the fifties and sixties, it would be Amazing. the most normal thing in the world. <laughs> um, mm. So it was it was made for that. But the reason why some photographers started you know latching onto them is. It, it forces you to think with the camera mm-hmm. more so than I feel like my digital does. And That's the reason why is because there's a fixed focal length on the lens. Uh-huh. It's a 60 millimeter lens. 
you know, there's no lens hood, there's no accessories. There's no, um, they started coming out with flashes in the mid two thousands for it. So it's, it started, it finally got a flash, um, <laughs> but you kind of had to, you know, use your feet and there's this, uh, parallax. Is that the term? Yeah, that is so, a term. Yeah, so when you look through uh, most traditional cameras, uh, most SLRs, most rangefinders, there is a a compensation, or you're actually looking through the lens of the camera, and so mm-hmm. you can frame everything up, and you know what's going to be in there. Yeah, and with the Holga, it's slightly off from the lens that where your the viewfinder is, so you're ah. not necessarily looking through the lens. So you have to think about composition based upon that camera and because it has a fixed vocal length you have to use your feet to adjust what's in the photo mm-hmm. okay so it's it teaching it's teaching you a different editing process and then on top of that it's got a shitty ass lens on it so there's going to be a like lens <laughs> flare if, if the sun's in it and stuff like that so you have to be aware of what is in your photo mm-hmm. so it's it's a great learning tool mm. that's really cool it's it has a, a good no mercy <laughs> you know th- this you ties it. in to to the to the film digital comparison in, in that and this is an argument i'd never really heard before um as as steve yedlin puts it in in this um in the side-by-side demo there's a matter of of like taking control of the preparation process that that happens with with digital or that can happen with digital to such a uh, well, to a different extent, with mm-hmm. with film, there's sort of the post processing that you do. That's as he put it, it's 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 very it's kind of like one or two steps. I'm I'm simplifying, but it's it's that. And in the digital world, it could be you know a hundred steps. You could do a lot more work after actually shooting what you're shooting. And yeah. it seems it's it's really not a question of which one is better, but at which point do you want to put in the effort? Um, mm-hmm. So in the instance of the Holga, right, you're putting in a lot of you know, the, the framing thoughts, the focus, the lighting, you know, all of that, you're putting that in before and when you take the photo versus many people who shoot digital are just like, ah, I'll fix it in post, you know, I'll, I'll shoot it in the general direction, <laughs> crop it, you know, do a color correction later, <laughs> like take out the lens flare with Photoshop. It's, it's all sort of pushed out, you know, farther down the line. Yes. Um, and that seems to be the only difference to me. It's like you can still get whatever results you want if you choose to intervene at some point in the process. Yeah. So, so one of the things I remember learning in school, um, and this is, I don't know which photo class this was, it was this term called the economy of the shutter. Mm-hmm. Every time you click the shutter, it costs you money, right? If you're shooting yeah. film, yeah. every time you click, it costs you money. Absolutely. Digital doesn't have that. So you'll see and you'll see that some photographers are lazy and just be like, I'll edit 50 photos to find that one burst mm-hmm. mode and then fire away. And, then and hopefully something good comes out. <laughs> yeah. And that's fine if you're shooting, you know, let's say because I used to shoot football when I was at Tech, right? Uh-huh. I used to shoot mm-hmm. basketball. It's kind of OK when you're, you're, you're looking for that one in 10 exposures where, you know, you got the guy perfectly lined up and he's you know the ball has just left his hand and it's about to you know go to the receiver that's fine i'm going to take six exposures right there but i'm not going to just go for you know yeah we have something for that it's called it's called uh you know shooting a movie right well we call it we used to call it spray and pray Ah, also, also a terminology used in uh, machine guns. Yes, and pornography. Yeah. Oh, is it? No, that's. I don't know. What? Uh, go weird. <laughs> Just go with it. Um, but I've so I, it's funny you mention that because I've been to events where I could tell that was happening. Uh-huh. Uh So I had you know I've been at at you know exhibitions or things like that for whatever, and there would be someone with a. I assume very fancy, very expensive digital SLR camera, and they would just basically sit there and hold the shutter button and just have it click, 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 click for like minutes. It felt like, yeah. And I, I kind of wanted to go like, what are you, what are you accomplishing there? Like, I could just shoot a movie, and then go in and pull out a frame later at that point. Yeah, it'd be about as effective because you have to think about it. They have to dump all those photos onto their computer. Yeah, and don't get me wrong, I. I used to shoot 300, 400 
photos at a concert or 300, 400 photos at a, a football game. Uh huh. But that's, you know, a four hour affair. Yeah. That's like shooting a wedding. Yeah. There's a lot, lot going on there. And so it's, I'm, it's, I'm curious about, I, I'm, I'm sorry to, to kind of, to, to be mm-hmm. the guy who comes back to the topic on this one, but I'm really for curious it. about this, like the religiosity around film versus digital and whether, like, what is the actual intensity of it? And what, you know, is it, is it just sort of, is it a verbal battle or is it affecting the industry somehow, right? Is this still like something substantial that, you know, people draw the battle lines over or, or I something? Think, I think some people still draw battle lines over it. I honestly do. I mean, if you go on Twitter and you, you're part of, you know, the film photographer community mm-hmm. and, you know, sometimes if you say something the right way, it'll be, you know, everybody will throw a pissing match. Yeah. Uh, Fuji just the other day killed off like th- this film line called FP100C. It was uh, a, a Polaroid type film where you, you know, it's, you've seen it in movies that had like the accordion style camera and you pull it out the side. Mm-hmm. And then pull it apart, and there was your picture. Yes, I've seen that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was that it was the last of that film line that Fuji killed off, and people threw a hissy fit about it. Even though I was like, "Dude, you probably didn't ever shoot that, did you?" And they're like, "No, <laughs> but I wanted to. <laughs> I wanted to." It's like, well, they killed it off because they didn't have any customers. Yeah. <laughs> so it's your fault. So I don't know what you're bitching about. But then they'll do these stupid things where they'll they'll start a Kickstarter to you know raise the money to buy the factory, and it's like you can't. Didn't they do that for Polaroid? Didn't that actually happen? It did happen for Polaroid, but the people who bought it actually knew how to make Polaroid film. Oh, that's convenient. So it wasn't like this, like you know, us three trying to buy a Polaroid factory (laughs) (laughs) would not go well. Not go with no knowledge of how Polaroid worked. I know how it works. I take a picture, it spits out the picture. That would, what else do I yeah. need? Yeah. yeah, and you shake it even though you're not supposed to because shaking it actually damages the chemicals inside of it. But uh, I've heard the song. It says, shake it like a Polaroid picture. And he is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that works with Impossible, but they want to like buy the machines. It's like, no, you have to buy the whole building because the machines were built inside the building. <laughs> and they're, you know, the size of the building. Wow. And, and the whole thing oh. is, is like you still have to come up with a business model if you buy the factory, right? Like right, you can't, right. <laughs> you can run yeah. it as a charity if you have enough money, but that was the problem is there weren't there enough weren't people with money, money. Yeah. involved in it, right? And not only that, but when, you know, these, these film lines die, it's, it's not just because no one was buying them. It, it, in, the, in the case of Polaroid, a lot of, one of the things that Impossible Project has run into a lot of times is Kodak used to buy a lot of chemicals from other companies, Oh, and when Polaroid went under and stopped buying as much, uh, you know, of chemical, you know, the special glue that they used, for instance, the company that made the glue went out of business because that was their only customer. Yeah. Where, where and, do a lot of the, the chemicals used in, in film come from? Um, You know, I actually don't know that. I do know that there were five places in the world that produced all the color film in the world. Oh, wow. Wow. Um, there was Agfa, Fuji, Kodak, Ferrania, and somewhere else. I know, somewhere I know else. There's a fifth one. Um, and they, they pretty much just produced, they would produce everybody's film, right? So if you were like Walgreens and you wanted to come up with your own film for whatever stupid reason, Mm -hmm. Uh, you could, they would, Walgreens would quite often, or, you know, one of these other companies would buy the acetate from Kodak and then the emulsion emulsion from Ferrania, marry the two together and be like, look, we made a film (laughs) when really it was, it was not a film. It reminds me a little bit of like, you know, a a cell phone provider who just uses uh, someone's existing network and pretends that they're a new cell phone provider, right? Like I'm boost. looking to use straight yeah. cock and boost and a whole bunch yeah. of other ones. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, well, I, I'm really I'm curious as like an industry, was there collusion among the film producing companies in the later days or at any time? You know, I honestly don't know about that. Hmm. I, honestly, I mean, there, there's I don't think there's any way probably to prove there was or wasn't. <laughs> I mean, 
it's one of those things when it when it, when uh, a company you know it's I think in every industry there are just there are those companies that there's a handful of companies that are are the big big companies in the world and they own eighty percent of the market and then there's everybody else you know yeah yeah I mean they they might have you know shared things with each other yeah but I mean they they competed pretty fiercely you know Ferrania and and Agfa kind of had control over Europe. Kodak mm-hmm. was very much an American brand, right? But Kodak worked hard to keep Ferrania and Agfa out of America, and they worked hard to keep That's Fuji out of America. Yeah, I've, I've never heard of these other two. Like, I've heard of Kojak, Kodak, Kodak, Kodiak, Bear. I've heard of Bear Kojak. Photography <laughs> and uh, Fujifilm. Like, I know those. But these other two you're mentioning, like, it's interesting because I've never heard of them before this moment. So, Ferrania is in Italy. Okay. And Agfa, I believe, is in Germany. Hmm. hmm. I do want to. I do want to pause for a moment just to. Uh, so the 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 Yeldon stuff obviously comes from from moving photography or movies as we call them today. Uh, and um, your mentioning of the Polaroid reminded me of one of my favorite scenes that was shot on film that involves a Polaroid, uh, and that is the opening moments of Memento by Christopher Nolan, uh, mm-hmm. who I who I believe is one of these like film zealots. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is, he, you know, shoots everything on film and there are, I don't, I don't know his actual opinion on it. Maybe just, just, he knows what to, sh- he knows how to shoot on film well, and he can make good looking movies that way. Uh, but there are certainly folks who love Christopher Nolan because he shoots on film, which I think is fascinating. Uh, because the reason Christopher Nolan films are visually interesting is not because they're shot on film. In my opinion, hmm. I think he knows how to shoot film well. But I think I think well he he's got you know a certain visual style and a lot of that probably comes from his DP as well, but who I think might be Steve Yeldon now that I'm thinking about it, I may have that may be a weird connection in my brain. See, I thought I thought Steve Yeldon was was Ryan Johnson's. DP. That's what it is. That's what it is. Yeah. You're right. Because that was the twi- Twitter exchange, right? Is, is yeah. Ryan was like, "Hey, this is a really cool thing that my my DP created," and and he's like, "I'm still shooting on out. film." Yeah, <laughs> we're still shooting Star Wars on film, though. Yeah, but that, but that's a thing that like he would also have to say to somebody, like he would he would have to like because people would get mad if Star Wars wasn't shot on film. Was Episode Seven shot on film? Yes. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Because <laughs> people would get mad about it otherwise. People would yeah. get mad if it was not shot on film. And I uh, think that has more to do with the fact that Georgie shot. Episodes one, two, and three on digital. Yeah, and and episodes one, two, and three were garbage. Uh, but again, I don't think that has anything to do personally with the medium in which they were shot. It it doesn't. But you know what? <laughs> Fuck George. <laughs> That's fair. I got yeah. I got no argument there. You know, uh, I'm sorry. Brief side note there. I just saw THX 1138 for the first time. Uh, yeah. a couple of days ago. Um, decent film. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's like. Logan's Run, Brave New World, whatever, mm-hmm. like nothing revolutionary. But um, he he totally Georgified it. I I did not realize. Like he went back and did an episode one or, or uh, did a special edition kind of thing where he went oh, that's and replaced the special effects in THX 1138. And I'm like, what you know? <laughs> it really it's it's just a few things. Like but he's just kind of what he's always been painting. doing. That have you seen the special edition of American Graffiti? What? There are Jawas in it. I don't believe you. Good, I'm trolling. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, but I mean, but that's the thing that's interesting is that 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 Georgification, so to speak, even happened in the original home media releases of Star Wars. So oh, like yeah. there was there was that's always been a part of of Star Wars fandom, such as it is, and you know having the VHS version as opposed to the Laserdisc version, which was the yeah. better you know the least edited version to get closest to what was originally in the film. Uh, and I, I do know somebody who has the laser discs. So if you're interested, let me know. What was that project that, that some, um, some people were going to like reassemble or, or assemble like a, an HD cut from the, the film prints. The best known version I know is called the despecialized edition, uh, which is done by a guy named Harmy, uh, who has put a whole lot of work into, uh, trying to make it look identical to what it did before. Uh, and from the imagery I've seen, it looks pretty good, but I'm also not enough of a Star Wars fan to be like, yes, have to, must, be, exist. <laughs> um, 
but that's interesting. So I want to I want to circle this around a little bit um, to uh, first of all, Simon, uh, darn you for being so darn reasonable about this whole thing. I was hoping to like <laughs> like film and digital and have a fight, but no, you're just like reasonable and a cool person, which I already knew. But uh, you know, it's made this this experience much less argumentative. Um, so you obviously choose to shoot v- film and digital. I want to know what efforts do you personally have to put in for shooting one or the other? So you sort of mentioned the economy of the of the shutter, which doesn't exist in in digital. Um, but what are some of the things that are that are different for a novice like me uh, if I were to go shoot a movie or a picture? Uh, for if you were to just immediately say hey i want to pick up a, a film camera uh-huh uh they're cheaper really they've cratered in price it's wonderful you can go over to well you can't go to goodwill anymore goodwill's wised up to the fact that people want to buy these cameras uh, but you, can go to, <laughs> you can go to a thrift store uh-huh and and pick up uh you know a very nice slr from the mid 80s late 90s whatever mm-hmm. uh, somewhere in that time period uh for 50 bucks. Oh, wow. Um, and then a couple of rolls of film will run you about 10, 10 bucks a piece. And then developing will run you about six bucks a piece. Yeah. Are there still places that like, I mean, our photo developer, is, is that a still a thing? No, but there are pro okay. labs that still exist. Okay. Um, and then certainly if, if you really want to go hardcore about it, you can get, you know, medium format or large format cameras. And that's something mm-hmm. that, that, Digital photography hasn't re- replicated yet. We don't have large format digital cameras, mainly because they would cost about the same as your your home mortgage. <laughs> well, no, That's I mean lot. the uh, the digital Hasselblad, I believe, is like thirty thousand dollars. Ooh, with the wow. the sixty five megapixel back. I'm gonna double check that. Sixty five megapixel. <laughs> <laughs> Granted, you have to understand this is so everything is based off the 35 millimeter standard, right? So a yeah. full frame SLR is 35 millimeter. Uh, Hasselblad is a medium format camera, so the uh, sensor is about six centimeters by four centimeters. That's huge. Yeah. <laughs> so that's why it's 65 megapixel, right? It's just it's a wow. big sensor. The, the the medium format cameras were mainly used by like portrait photographers when you needed to like get a portrait that you could then expand up to be in a magazine or be uh-huh. on a billboard or something like that. Uh, they take <laughs> gorgeous photos. I picked mine up for seventy five bucks on eBay and it was a song at twice the price. Wow. Um, that's oh, that's fascinating. That was just interesting to me that there's that sort of area where where. Uh, f- so a lot of people talk about digital as sort of being this democratizing force. And I certainly agree with that uh, because, you know, 90% of the people in, the, in this country have a digital camera in their pocket and can take photographs with it. Not necessarily good mm-hmm. ones, but they can take them. And that's interesting to me. That's uh, not because, true. The, 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 the best camera is the one you have with you. Well, no, I, you can, no, I, I'm there not are saying they can't take good pictures. very talented with an iPhone. Absolutely. No, I'm, I'm not saying that they can't take good pictures. I'm saying they're not necessarily putting the effort in to take good pictures. Not that they, okay. not that good pictures can't be taken with an iPhone. Uh, there's there's actually, I think Apple has a campaign going on, like, shot on iPhone 6 or 6S yeah. or whatever um, because of that. And uh, whereas, uh, you know, film is sort of this more niche thing, but that was, that was a big thing for a lot of people was like, oh, digital is cheap and easy to access. But it's interesting that that's only in one definition of digital. So these sort of large format things uh, where shooting film has become the or is is still the cheaper and more efficient option is fascinating to me. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I mean, so I, ju- I just looked it up because I wanted to make sure I spoke correctly. Yeah. The Hasselblad H5D-200C mm-hmm. medium format camera. First off, it's only 50 megapixels. So I apologize there. But it's forty five thousand dollars. Oh, oh my god! Just forty five thousand dollars. <laughs> so I'm gonna go take a mortgage out of my house. <laughs> wow! Um, hey, now's a good time. Interest rates are still low. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> wow. I, yeah. That, that's just I, I had no idea. I mean that it's and it's funny. It's like in, in an age where 
like everything is getting cheaper faster when it comes to digital or or it seems to be that that is still so pricey oh yeah and i remember seeing like 50 megapixel cell phone cameras advertised but yeah nokia's got one that's like 41 or something so so how is how is a 50 megapixel at a tinier size different from a 50 megapixel at a larger physical size i don't know how they're they're so so you know what a pixel is right a, a picture if, element if you think, if you yeah. think if you think about the uh, the film the the sensor in a digital camera is a flat surface, the pixels are little divots in it where they collect mm-hmm. the light. <clears throat> Sorry, I'm I'm getting over allergies because Texas is because it's with Texas. Me. <laughs> um, so if you think about that, to get uh, 50, 50 megapixels on there, there's a lot of little divots in a small area, and so what'll happen is this thing called noise. And noise mm-hmm. is what happens when stray electrons jump into these divots and then get red as light, right? Okay. Oh. So on a large sur- on a large sensor like this, and and I don't know what the exact size is in the House of Blood. I'm gonna say it's a six centimeter by four centimeter. It's a forty eight or forty three point eight by thirty two point nine millimeters. I'm looking at the description of it right now. Okay. Wow. So that's so four by three centimeters roughly. Okay, so that's that's about what you'd get in a. That's smaller than my film one. Really? Okay. Yeah, because my 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 film is six by four by five, four point five. Hmm. Well, let me see if I can find some other medium format cameras. Yeah. Hmm. Um, I'm looking at like uh, just a website that I googled. So yeah, so but yeah. it's big. So it's yeah. a big sensor. So it's a big sensor. So the the little. Pixels are a little bit farther apart, less likely that those stray electrons will fall in there. Mm-hmm. And so this stray- is something that, that, that I was reading about. Uh, it, it, um, it, was, it was called dark current, I think, when, when referring to a, a digital sensor is like a very low light levels. You, I mean, ever, anybody who's shot in, in dark conditions is familiar with this. You see kind of like an increased graininess, you know, it, it, the detail goes away. It looks like muddy. Um mm-hmm. And like film, and that's that's from the um, I think this is one of the articles you sent. That's like the reciprocity law of failure or something, right? Where the the accuracy of, of the light um, capture begins to break down, and it and it happens for film as well, right? At at very low light levels. Yes. Yeah. So so if you're like a film, film uh, pinhole photographer. Mm-hmm. Uh, once you get to like the exposures of like one minute, five minutes, three hours, uh, I've done these. Um, it's hell to sit there with your camera shutter open for four hours. <laughs> but uh, it definitely does start to lose the ability to record the image. With digital, on the other hand, because you have electricity passing through the circuit, what will start to happen is it, it will, you know, these... And it happens at, at, you know, ISO 100, you know, shutter speed of 125th or whatever. Um, these spare electrons will just drop into the circuit. It happens over time. Mm. Uh, it definitely becomes more noticeable when you up the ISO past 400 because what's happening is to, to do that, you are passing more electricity through the circuit to kind of amplify whatever signals there. Mm. And so that's what's generating noise. So it's it's the the methodology itself. Yes, that's actually causing the problems. That's interesting. Yes. Yeah, so whereas with film, you would get, um, let's say you're shooting at ISO 800 on film. The reason why you see the grain there is because it's actually physical. There's actually more silver in there, mm-hmm. and so it's producing larger silver crystals that are. You know, oh. Yeah. So it's the same effect. It's like it's amplifying the the light response, but it's doing so by just piling on more material. Yes. Rather than the equivalent of using more electricity. Yes. Yeah. However, I it's will so say it's so interesting that, that there there are similar limitations. This this is coming back to the the debate. It's like there are similar limitations in the film and, and digital at the at the extremes, right? Curse you, physics. Yeah. And, and it's it's like. You know, it's like the universe is like, no, I mean, you can do it one way or the other way. And like, you're still going to have problems. Like, it's, <laughs> you know, it's not that one is better than the other. You just have different problems. <laughs> well, I will say that aesthetically, 
I find grain more pleasing than noise. Oh. Is that is that just because that's what you've uh were exposed to first? Is it is it sort of a familiarity? Or or have you explored it at all like the the reasons where you just go, I like this more and that's good enough? No, it's it's so I like that grain is uniform. Okay. And it's 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 color cast, right? Whereas if you look at it like if you were to take a really you know, dark photo on your iPhone, it kind of has bluish and then browns and weird areas. And, uh, you know, the, the noise picks on different color casts depending on where it is in the photo. Okay. Hmm. And it looks gross. It looks like, <laughs> it looks like you're, you're shooting through, through transparent vomit. It's, it's got that kind of that <laughs> episode title, transparent vomit, transparent vomit <laughs> done. Noted. Um, but it has that, that color cast to it, which I just, I've never really appreciated. Mm-hmm. You know, when, when you, and I'm struggling to think of which film stock it is. It's an old black and white film stock from Kodak. Uh, it had what's called T-grain structure. Well, T-grain structure is what they used to use in, in motion picture film mm-hmm. in like the 20s, 30s, and 40s. So if you overexposed it just slightly and and had that, that massive, you know, grain in there... It yeah. looked like an old movie. It had that 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 you know graininess to it. That's interesting. And so aesthetically, it's it's something that's very enjoyable, and it's it's something mm-hmm. very classical. If there was a classical thing in photography, mm-hmm. it, I'm curious about like back then in, in that in that age of the tea grain, did they consider it to have a good look, or was it like displeasurable? It was, it was just the look. Oh. <laughs> I mean, you're, that's you're, what film made it look like. So it's, it's the birth of the industry. You know, it's everything. But they the were same. they were engineers working to eliminate that, right? Which is why it didn't continue to be a feature of that of the film, right? There were engineers working to create what they could create. I believe, like engineers do. <laughs> yeah, I don't think they they saw T grain as as a, a problem to be solved. I think that the next logical hurdle for them was color. Oh yeah, um, I'm always been a fan they, of Technicolor myself. Well, I love Technicolor. I think they fucked up Wizard of Oz when they they got rid of the Technicolor. Did they go back and watch the like if you can find it like a VHS copy? Yeah. So so Technicolor was that it was a camera with. Uh, that shot three rolls of black and white at one time, mm-hmm. one on the red spectrum, one on the blue. Uh, blah, yeah, blah, blah, yeah, that's how Technicolor worked, which is cool. And, and then they layered it up. But because they didn't quite do it right with Wizard of Oz, everything in color had kind of a halo around it, which I think just enhances the dreamlike qualities of being in Oz. Personally. Yeah. But they screwed it up on the D- the DVD release when they got rid of it. Hmm. What does, so with the DVD release, did they go back and like they they went from the original black and white prints and like basically redid the combination? Yes. Ah, uh, okay. Fascinating. I didn't know that. Um, but yeah, interesting. This was how um, like early color photography was done, though. I I remember seeing a a, a series by the Boston Globe of uh, photographs taken in Russia in like the nineteen tens, so like just pre World War One. Um, which were done on a on a film camera in that way, that, where it actually mm-hmm. did it did three exposures, and yep. the way the way it did it is is you had you had three plates, and glass they plates. would actually glass plates, and they would actually drop away like like phys- there would, the mechanism would drop the frame, so you would you would literally have a like a like a clunk clunk clunk, you know, tr- triggering the shutter each time, to get the right amount of exposure on each one. Um, so what what you had is Weirdly, when you recombined them using uh, using a projector uh, or three projectors, I think uh, there would sometimes be a misalignment, or if somebody moved in the frame, you know, there would be those those artifacts that looked almost the same as like what you get in in uh, high dynamic range artifacts in an iPhone nowadays. Um, it's, it's just uncanny, though. Yeah. Like, that we're still dealing with the, the same problems in different media well, these it's, days, it's, right? It's it's just the laws of physics. Yeah, it don't, it don't change depending on what you're using. There, there was something in there around, uh, I, I, you know, the the aesthetic judgment of of all of this seems to be very like contemporary, and and aesthetics do change over time. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm really I'll be really curious to to 
I, like I'm curious, Simon, if there have been other debates like this between kinds of film in the past, if you're aware of, of anything like that. Yes. All right, yes, thanks. there certainly have. Um, I'm, I'm struggling to think of the most recent one. I would think is is probably Kodak came out with a film stock in the mid 2000s called Portra, and I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna be a little facetious here. Portra is uh-huh. a white people film. Portra was is made. <laughs> so one of the, one of the problems that Kodak has had to solve over the years is that so uh, trying to trying to think of how to phrase this. Uh, don't oh, be subtle. I'm a, I'm a white guy. I'm gonna go ahead and say this: white guys aren't actually white. We're pink. Yeah, like we have yep. pink tones in our skin. Mm-hmm. Kodak developed a film to finally fucking solve this. It took them a hundred and something years, but they finally solved this. Portrait actually doesn't show the pink tones in skin. Huh? Yes. Weird. <laughs> it's wonderful. I mean, basically, they they just did this by by turning down, you know, because. Film is multiple layers, and so they, they took the red layer and altered the red layer so that it doesn't absorb as much. Oh, it's sort of like they like when you do a an, an EQ adjustment on audio, they sort of like turn down mm. the the portion mm-hmm. of the spectrum that would have responded. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But that then wow. creates this whole debate about you know, uh, you know, the race. It's more the racism in photography is, is the debate. Well, yeah, which is you're, you're you're definitely getting into like the the end points of that. Uh, which is something that I've only recently read about um, is the fact that, you know, film was originally crafted for the white body. Um, yes. And the, so the taking Tiffany wow. portraits. Yes. Not Tiffany. What's her name? What was her I name? I don't know. Uh, I knew I saw this like a week ago and I can't remember. Um, but yes, absolutely. Absolutely. If, if you look at, at uh, African-Americans in, in older photos, they don't. They don't look like people. They don't look, they don't like, look like people. They're either really, really, really dark to the point to where there's no like facial details mm-hmm. or Leno. they are gray. Are you thinking of Leno? Leno. Le- L-E-N-N-A, the, uh, the standard test image. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, a, it's like a, it's a woman in a black and white dress. Mm hmm. Uh, um, here's here's. I think I think this is the one you're thinking of. Uh, there's the I, I Google chatted. I can put okay. it in Zencaster as well. Well, and now well, and now Chrome has to use up all of my RAM to open that link. <laughs> well, it is a Wikipedia page, so. Oh no! no, no. Yes, but Chrome is very bad at RAM. Oh, Chrome is so bad, which is why I use Opera most of the time. But I had to use Chrome for this because apparently Zencaster doesn't like Opera. Yeah, it gets confused. Yeah. Um, but so, so that, I'm trying to pull this up as well. But th- so this was like th- this was a person as as like a as like a, a standard um, test. Well, this, for, for film. yeah, this photograph of uh, Lena Soderberg, um, which actually, believe it or not, uh, was was the was the sort of default test of like film. Like you would use this against it. Uh, it was also a cropped image from the centerfold of a Playboy. What? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, which is is uh, got its own problems in sort of making that again the standard uh, that all photo uh, photography and film stock is sort of built off of sort of like well there's this subtext of we're using an image from Playboy to make sure the film looks right because you know you, you gotta was. you gotta sell magazines right <laughs> yeah. I mean the the <laughs> image itself is not is uh, is is cropped in such a way as to not make it particularly lewd or lascivious not that I mean Playboy for what it's worth, is my understanding was generally, you know, fairly tame in its depiction of naked women compared to, mm. you know, the rest of the Internet today. Yeah. So I'm talking about Shirley. OK, I don't know. Shirley. Shirley was a different thing. Shirley was the woman in the dress that they mm. were then. Yes, it's it's a white fur dress and a you know black glove with white pearls. And this is something Kodak made. Uh, every few years, the Shirley card. Yes. I'm okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. This. This is Got more it. what I meant to be talking about. Anyway, I was wrong. Yeah. I'm with so you. Lena was more of the digital scanner era. Yeah. Yeah. But tell me about Shirley. Shirley, Shir- Shirley is exactly what you just described. Yeah. I just couldn't think yeah. of her name. Okay. Um. So I, I just you got to re- read the Wikipedia real quick here because you know we, we're yeah. 
<laughs> and they actually the started making multiracial cards mm-hmm. at some mm-hmm. point. I know this one's from 1996 in this article. I, I don't know at what point they actually did start producing these. I'm sure it was well before 1996. I hope. Oh, and film has I a hope. similar one called The China Girl. Huh. Which I'm also looking up here. So th- this is I. It's great that we came around to this. I, I'm curious, like, um, is this some instance where digital can somehow be like, uh, can can be less biased, right? Toward toward can can we begin to to bring our our understandings around around race and gender and integrate those into the processes by which we aesthetically judge or or calibrate these these new media. Uh, and, and this is this is the democratizing force you were talking about, right, Kevin? Mm-hmm. Is, is now that we, the tools are in the hands of many different people, we're beginning to realize the the limitations that were put on us by the media in the, in the past, right? So these Shirley cards were actually made for the lab. They were made for the lab to to know what how to adjust you know the chemicals to reproduce this image, basically, right? Mm-hmm. Reproduce this card of Shirley. As such. The camera can see it one way and then be adjusted in the lab, and I think it's the, it's still the same way now. The the digital camera sees it one way, and then I have to adjust it within my computer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's changed. Agreed. <coughs> yeah, I think I think those those sort of problems still exist. Excuse me, stupid Texas. <laughs> Stupid Texas. What allergy season is it, by the way? I, I, I think it was something blew up the other day from Mexico, and I'm still just <laughs> recovering from it. That's reasonable. Yeah. Every everything's terrible. Uh, January is usually uh, cedar season or March or whatever whatever yeah. month we're in is usually uh, cedar. I know uh, we've been feeling that here in yeah. Austin. Mm. Uh, I do want to, uh, since we're at sort of a pause point where y'all are looking at things, I do want to mention one of the things that I hate about film is people who insist that film is better than everything else. Most perfectly identified by, uh, I don't know if y'all watched the latest season of Project Greenlight, uh, which you should, because it's really good. It's on HBO Go or now, or just HBO if you have that. And the latest season uh, had a director who um, thought he was an artistic genius, uh, who was insisting on the use of film. Like, like he wouldn't talk about anything else within the context of making his movie. Jason Mann was his name uh, before they would agree to shoot on film, which costs a lot more money. Again, you know, uh, economy of the shutter. And he made an absolutely terrible film that doesn't even look like it was shot on film. Uh, (laughs) Oh, no. uh, Because he's not a good director. And I made it about halfway through the movie when I tried to watch it. It was called The Leisure Class. And then I just stopped and never went back. (laughs) <laughs> uh, and and he, he fought tooth and nail and had to give up other stuff and his film was worse uh, because his budget was lower because he insisted on shooting on film I hate that guy okay that's all I got <laughs> I, I just, I just will say that there. Kodak did just release a brand new uh, motion picture camera yeah in January oh cool it's, uh, as in film yeah, yeah yes. of course because it's Kodak right yeah yes that's cool. Uh, and I believe it has a new film stock. I, I'm not sure about that, though. Yeah, I think he, he was shooting, a, I want to say Panavision. I don't know. The movie was bad. Makes me well, angry. I, I'm, I'm curious now how, like, uh, digital and, like, the expectations around digital has, in turn, affected how new film is produced. Right? That's something, like, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to think, that's something that he talked about in the video. Yes. Yeah. And I'm struggling to remember what he said. He said something along the lines of uh, modern filmmakers sometimes shoot film like digital or something like that. Mm-hmm. That's okay. Yeah. I don't care what you shoot. Well, I, I know prefer the, you to shoot disc- film because yeah. they keep the industry alive. Because <laughs> you like shooting film. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I, I thought an interesting thing that came up in the discussion that he had, uh, sort of the email back and forth, was sort of this idea or some of the idea that, you know, film comes, film might be inherently better or whatever reason comes from the fact that a lot of the quote unquote old masters shot on film and a lot of people who have copied them since shot on film because that's what they shot on uh, yeah. without, without actually sort of realizing that, well, they, the original people shot on film, you know, cause that's what there was. 
and we and people didn't put in the effort to learn how to shoot on digital to make it look and be the way they wanted it to. And so you end, have people like Ryan Johnson or Christopher Nolan who, who make pretty movies that are shot on film because that's what they know how to make. And there's nothing wrong with that. No, I don't, I don't think absolutely so. Absolutely nothing wrong with that. I think you just have I mean, to it, sort of identify it. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's like, you know, the, the person who taught you used oils when they paint. Uh-huh. And you say so you use oils. That's fine. Yeah. The whole world of paint out there, but, you know, you do you. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it it really is. I, I guess I was just curious why this is a battle at all. You know, it, it seems like one of those things where there's there's plenty of space for for both to exist for because all the, the internet things on the spectrum to exist, right? <laughs> because like, why people does go there on have Reddit. to be a war over it? <laughs> because people go on Reddit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, although I'm, I'm curious minds. if either of y'all seen. Or go ahead, finish your thought, Simon. I was just being mean. Okay. <laughs> uh, I'm you curious can be if, mean to Reddit. I think that's perfectly justified. They've, they've earned it. Yeah. I'm curious if either of you have seen because I have not uh, the film Tangerine that came out last year. No. Mm. Uh, I would really like to um, for a couple of reasons, but one of them is that it was shot on an iPhone. Wow. I like uh, that. Out, yeah, it was shot on an iPhone uh, 5S. Uh, what's interesting is they used a um, lens and an and a, an app that basically made it so that what they shot was uh, widescreen because the the iPhone's basic camera is not is not a uh, traditional widescreen. Mm-hmm. So they just masked the aspect ratio. Well, so they didn't mask it. Uh, the with the lens they were using, and I'm trying to find the link was kind of like it was it was it was a wide angle lens that they then use an app to post process it to make it look correct i'm, oh. I'm describing this poorly. oh yeah no i i get it i um you're because there's a little bit of distortion that happens when you when you make a um a tiny aperture like what, what yeah. the iphone has is a very tiny lens and so when you're bringing in light from a very wide angle um, there has to be a lot of uh, bending in order to get it into that hole, essentially. Yeah. Um, which is, is starting to sound like I'm describing something else. But anyways, so what the what the uh, app would then do is correct for that bending uh-huh. um, in post, yes. right? Yes. And because it's a high enough resolution, you're you're not losing any quality by doing so. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. It's uh, Moondog Labs makes the. Uh, the lens that they used, but it's, they made a lens, apparently kickstarted it initially. Um, that was, that does just that. So it's an, it's a lens and app combination that lets you shoot sort of this anamorphic widescreen on an iPhone, on an iPhone. Um, so it's got really good reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. I remember Tangerine. Still, it's still on my list. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there were there was an Oscar push for it. I don't think it got nominated for anything. Uh, it won mm. Sundance. Yeah, it's it was also the first Academy Award campaign for an openly transgender actress, supported by a film producer, uh, because the two leads were uh, are trans women. Nice. So, so this is really this is a great example of just how it, it's more you know the story you tell than yeah. the technology you use. Yeah. Which is what Simon said at the beginning. We've been wasting all our time. <laughs> Should we wrap it up then? I, I don't know. We've Probably. About an I, hour. Think, I think we've come first circle. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I, I think um, I think I don't know why there's an argument about this. I came in here looking for a fight and uh, now I'm like, eh, you know, what I mean, you want. Too bad. It's, yeah. it's one of those things you can find the fight. I don't understand the point of it. It's <laughs> it's the same fight that happens with uh, Canon versus Nikon. It's like, oh, who God. gives a shit? Is that, is a, that a fight? Camera. I yes. didn't know that. That's, yeah, okay. that's totally a fight. People want to yeah. fight because they bought into a system and they want to fight uh-huh. for their system. <laughs> Apple and Android, man. Opera and Chrome. Yeah. Just, yeah. just calling it, you know. Mac versus PC. <laughs> These fights have been bred into us by uh, whatever MST3K, fucking reason. Mike versus Joel. Mike versus Joel. <laughs> How about Mike uh, and Joel? How about Canon and Nikon? How about film and yeah. digital, right? Like, the world yeah. is big enough, y'all. <laughs> yeah. Although there's a new MST3K host now, Jonah, uh, which I have mixed feelings about, but probably not for the show. Jonah Hill? Did, did uh, Jonah no, Jonah Bray um, <laughs> oh, from the Nerdist. Yeah, 
I have, I have, mixed feelings, I have mixed feelings about that entire project, which is not to say that I didn't give them money to make it happen to see how it turns out. But um, like nobody from the original version of MST3K other than uh, Joel is involved in it. Is anyone oh. still alive? Uh, yeah, no, they're all still alive. They're still making things. They're still like Rift Tracks is uh, Mike, Kevin and Bill. Um, right. Who were the real MST3K, in my opinion. They were the funny, funniest and best writers. But so you're, you're kind of, Well, so Mike was the head writer on the show for eight of its ten years. So mm-hmm. if you like Joel, you also like Mike. Okay. <laughs> um, because, because Mike was writing a lot of those. He was, again, the head writer. Um, but yeah. like everyone involved in that show is actually still like doing things. Um, Trace Ballou and Frank Conniff uh, were a part of Cinematic Titanic, which was a thing for a little while. It's now ended. Um, but they're now doing a, a riffing live show called The Mads Are Back. They played the original Mad Scientists and mm. they're doing that and they're on tour, you know, movie riffing live. And so there's they're all still doing things. They're all still doing that thing. Uh, but Joel was was interesting in that he didn't like apparently ask anybody to be involved from the original series nice oh um which made some people angry nice uh all of the people who were who like all of the people i just named were very like polite and civil about it uh online but Mm -hmm. a lot of people were like well why aren't all of these people who are still doing this thing that you're doing involved um, and instead, so he recast the bots, he recast the host, um, he got Felicia Day and, um, Patton Which Oswald I like to, oh, I, I, again, I like all these people. Like I am not saying they can't make a good thing, but, uh, Felicia Day and Patton Oswald are the new mad scientists. Uh, mm. so there's like, it, it's very much structured to pander to the internet. Um, and is yeah. kind of, it, and I, again, not having seen it feels like it might just be MST3K in name only. So we'll see, but I hmm. I gave him some money so I could see how it turns out. Everything made. Can, can we book that? Internet. Yeah, yeah. I I wanted to just briefly. Can we bookmark maybe a future show topic as as uh, uh, boy, I'm frustrated with people pandering to the internet demographic. Yeah, I'm sure we can uh, make that happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, I'm um, still anyways. waiting for my my wrestling episode. Oh yeah, we were gonna do a wrestling episode. Oh. That was like five well, years ago. That was. Uh, I have watched as much wrestling now as I had back then. Did, I, think, I think I saw that South Park episode, though. Did, about wrestling? About Yeah. Which, I didn't know there was one. Yeah, they do a whole thing about, like, uh, you should watch it. Just look it up. It's it's amazing. Okay. And and really, like, actually, I, I think a lot of the content of that episode would be things we would cover in, a, in one of ours. But. Cool. <laughs> Uh, well, Simon, uh, thank you again for joining us. Uh, so glad to have you back uh, for the first time in maybe five years. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, we'll probably try and have you back again in the not-too-distant future, somewhere in time and space. <laughs> five years. Uh, to maybe talk about uh, professional wrestling, uh, something that I am I am very interested in and know very little about. Uh, do you have anything you want to plug? I mean, obviously you mentioned your podcasts. Can people follow you on Twitters? Uh, Is that at, a thing? At Lanier, L-E-A-D-I-R-E. Yeah cool uh, um, from there you can probably also find access to all your other podcasts and nonsense yes all the yeah. all the nonsense i do on the internet yeah uh steven torrance you are still at s-t-o-o-r-e-n-c-e did i get that right yes you did kevin good job, good job kevin uh i'm kevin saunders i'm your host here at band philosophy you can find me at twitter.com slash kevsond go away from there uh thank you all for listening uh it's been a blast bye bye I hope you get better, Simon. That's so you've just been like really filling good. up ahead of snot. <laughs> That's probably really gross sounding. <laughs> it's still going. Next yeah. week on Bad Philosophy Body Sounds, <laughs> we put a microphone everywhere. Mama, don't take my phone, bro. Mama, don't take my phone.
philosophy.com. Did I get all that? Is that all the things? Cool.